0: Right now, we are in week six of quarantine. And I would imagine that for many of you, if not most of you, if not all of you, are exhausted. For some, it may be the disappointment of seeing things that you hoped for not happen. It might be the loneliness that you feel in not being able to meet with others face to face. For parents, the challenges that come with working from home, monitoring your child's schoolwork, and caring for your family, have been taking a toll on you and your family. For others, it might be the stress of trying to take care of an aging parent or the fear of being in the age bracket that's most susceptible to a life-threatening virus. To add fuel to the fire, we get drained, right? When we feel drained, we can often turn to things that don't ultimately renew our strength but only make us more exhausted, doubling the exhaustion. So what is it? that will ultimately bring us rest. What, what is it that will bring us rest to our weary souls? Well, this morning, the psalmist gives us insight in seeking rest from the exhaustion of this world. And so look with me at Psalm 92. I'm going to begin by reading the title of the psalm. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. To sing praises to your name, O most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work, all the works of your hands, I at the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord, Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the court's of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Well, I think the main idea of this psalm for us this morning is that the work of God fuels the worship of his people. The work of God fuels the worship of of his people. And so in this short time, what I want us to do is I just want to trace that main idea through the rest of this psalm. But before we do that, I want to look at the title. Look with me there at the title of this psalm. It says that it's a a song for the Sabbath. Well, the Sabbath was a day of rest celebrated on the seventh day of the week, commemorating God's rest on the seventh day of creation. And it was a day when God's people also gathered to worship him as as we see in Leviticus 23 verse 3 and so this psalm was probably sung in the corporate worship of God's people on the Sabbath and what we begin to recognize in this first section of this psalm is that this day of rest isn't what we would naturally expect notice how it begins in verses 1 through 2 the psalmist says it is good to what to give thanks to the Lord to sing praises to your name, to declare or proclaim your steadfast love and faithfulness. For God's people, the biblical understanding of rest isn't just a day off from work. It's a day to worship. And it's through engaging God in worship that our joy and our strength are renewed. And the psalmist is teaching us that we rest through worship. And the motivation that he gives to praise and worship the Lord in verses 1 and 2, is that it's good. It's good for us to do that. It's good for us to do so. That word good right there isn't primarily focused on what makes us feel good, but what is ultimately profitable for us. It's the right and the necessary response to who God is and what he has done for us. There are a lot of things that we could be doing right now, But this is what is good for us. And we're given the reason for this response in verse 4. The psalmist says this For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. It's good for us to give thanks because the Lord is good and has been good to us. It's his moral goodness that is the focus of our praise. And God's goodness is really speaking about His benevolence toward us. It's His acting for our benefit. And our good and glad response to Him is to give thanks and to give praise to Him. But why is that? Well, it's because God is the very definition of what is good. He is all good and alone good. He is always and unchangingly good. His goodness is not dependent upon us or anything else. And because he is supremely good, he only acts in good ways. And his good ways and works for us reveal his inherent goodness to us. We know that God is good because he has come toward us in goodness. In verse 2, the psalmist declares the Lord's steadfast love In the morning and his faithfulness by night. It's a reminder of God's continual and inexhaustible goodness. There is not a time where we can't praise God for his goodness toward us. He is always and forever good to us. And the result of his good works toward us, in verse 4, is that of joy. It's that of joy that causes us to be glad and to sing, to sing for joy. As one pastor put it this past week, God loves to make his goodness known, and he wants us to know and to enjoy it. And so we enjoy it by praising and thanking him for it. However, yet we often don't enjoy the goodness of God because we either do one of two things. We can either take it for granted or we might doubt it. We take it for granted when we get used to just walking out the door and beholding his beautiful creation, to going to work, to eating a meal, to enjoying family or friends, or to hearing the the gospel preached week in and week out. And if we're not careful, we can begin to expect things to be a certain way because that's the way that they've always been so that we end up forgetting they're a gift in the first place and instead of responding with gratitude we begin living with a sense of entitlement the other side of that is that we might enjoy we might not enjoy his goodness because we doubt it we feel used and abused by God because things aren't necessarily the way that we would want them to be such as our circumstances right now but in doing so what happens is that we end up missing the 10,000 ways in which he's showing his goodness to us right now through what is hard and what is difficult. Often, God reveals his goodness to us through suffering, through difficulty. We need to readjust our understanding of what it means for God to be good. After all, God does not withhold any good thing from his children as we know from Matthew 7, verse 11. So the question, the question is not whether or not God is good, but why we haven't bothered to look. Brothers and sisters, how refreshing God's goodness should be to us in a season when news is negative and when it seems like all the focus is on what is bad. In a day of uncertainty, there is one thing that is certain, and that is the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. Far too long has His goodness been taken for granted and doubted when it should be enjoyed. Instead, we need to be on the lookout. We need to be on the lookout for God's goodness. So consider His works and give thanks to Him. Have you taken for granted God's steadfast love and His faithfulness to you as we saw in verse 2? That His love for you is unfailing and unwavering, that though we may be faithless, he remains faithful. The old Princeton theologian Gerhardus Voss was once asked how we know God will never stop loving us. You may be asking yourself that question right now. How would you answer? This is how he answered. He said, he'll never stop loving us because he never started there was never a beginning point for his love and affection on you his child why because in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 have you considered have you considered his patience and his discipline toward you as your father that our heavenly father doesn't judge us but disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. That though discipline seems painful for a moment later, it bears the fruit of righteousness, as the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12. Do you doubt his provision and his care for you? Friends, do you remember the central heat and air that you have in your house? Do you remember... The clean water running throughout your home, or the ability to work from home, the meal that you ate last night, the care of a friend, the warmth of a spouse, and the love that you've received from a parent, from a son, or from a daughter. All of these are only but a sampling of God's goodness to us. Because for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, all things. All things work together for our good. Brothers and sisters, we need to be like a watchman on the lookout for God's goodness. We've got to be like a watchman looking for the good works of God and then responding and giving thanks to Him. Thankfulness and praise are the twin responses of a humble heart because we're reminded that God's goodness is a gift and not something that we earn because we've been good. Now you may recall that this psalm is a Sabbath song for God's people gathered to worship Him. And this side of the cross, Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. And though the Lord's day is not the same as the Sabbath... This psalm causes us to look forward to our next Lord's Day when we will gather again, not as passive observers, but as active participants in bearing witness to the goodness of God to the world and to one another. And though in that moment, though in that moment you may not feel like God is good, But you will have, brothers and sisters, reinforcing his good ways to you throughout our time together. You will hear and receive his goodness when the word is preached to you. You will see his goodness in the gospel through baptism and the Lord's Supper. You will behold his goodness through one another as we encourage each other face to face. Brothers and sisters, I hope this wets your appetite For when we will meet again with thankful hearts, giving praise to God for all that he has done because the work of God fuels the worship of his people. However, not everyone understands that it's good to give thanks to the Lord. In verses 5 through 9, the psalmist shows us the Lord's good ways by way of contrast. In verse 5, the psalmist stands in awe of the depth of thought in the works of God. Look what he says in verse 5. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. And contrary to the Lord's depth of thought in his works is the stupid man and the fool who can't understand or grasp the works of God in verse 7. For the stupid or the senseless or the dull man It's not that he doesn't have the capacity to understand God's works, but it's that he won't. Look at the image that's used to describe the wicked in verse 7. They sprout like grass and they flourish, and yet they are doomed to eternal destruction. They're like animals in one sense that can't comprehend the purposes of God and respond appropriately. What's happened for What's happened for the man who is senseless and for the fool is that their sin blinds them from seeing God's good works, especially his good work of justice, as we will see in these verses. And so the wicked, the picture of the wicked is that of grass that sprouts quickly and flourishes and yet is doomed to destruction. And though grass sprouts quickly in the morning, By the evening, it withers under the summer heat. We see this picture all throughout the scriptures because it doesn't have a deep root system. The grass doesn't maintain over a long period of time. And by the world's standards, it would look like the wicked are flourishing. It looks that way. They're exalted to position, to power, and prestige. And sadly, they take credit for the Lord's gifts. Rather than respond in praise, they respond in pride. They're the opposite of verses 1 through 5. As C.S. Lewis put it in Mere Christianity, As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. And as we see in verses 8 through 9, God is eternally exalted over his enemies who are eternally doomed to destruction. That though the wicked flourish quickly, they perish for an eternity. Brothers and sisters, it would be foolish. It would be foolish of us to envy the happiness of those who are doomed to destruction without knowing it. And we all can relate to that situation. We can relate to the stupid man, to the fool, to the wicked, to the evildoer. We can relate to that. Because we've all come into this world senseless, blinded by our sin and deserving eternal destruction for it. Needing God's spirit to remove the scales from our eyes that the eyes of our heart may behold his glory in the face of his son. So be humbled as you read this and give thanks to God for his work of justice on your behalf, which is good, that though it may look like injustice thrives, God is not idle in heaven. Evil doers will receive what they're owed. Now, friends, you may be watching this and thinking to yourself that you, you couldn't serve a God like this because this seems a little harsh. But remember that God's justice is always for a good reason. We all deserve eternal punishment because we've offended a holy and good God who's worthy of eternal praise. And his wrath, his wrath actually reveals his infinite worth and is an expression of his goodness to us. Paul tells us in Romans. Chapter 2, verse 4, not to presume upon the riches of God's kindness, forbearance, and patience toward us. Because his kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. So turn from your sin, trusting Christ, to pay the penalty for your sin so that you may be pardoned from your guilt before God and receive Christ's righteousness. Friend, God has been good to you. Even the rich man in Hades in Jesus' parable from Luke 16 received good things in this life that ultimately bore witness against him. No one will be able to say that God has not been good to him. Experience the goodness of God in the salvation of your soul by trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Will the Lord's good works give clarity to our sight. And we see this in verses 10 through 11. In contrast to the eternal destruction of the wicked, God now exalts the righteous in verses 10 through 11. The psalmist says, But you, Lord, have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. A symbol of the horn is a symbol of strength. And the symbol of fresh oil is a picture of refreshment and renewal. And so for the psalmist, God's justice renewed his strength. Because when God judges his enemies, he judges the psalmist's enemies. God's exaltation over his enemies is the psalmist's exaltation over his enemies. And did you notice that he says, you, in verse 10? Did you notice that? He says, you, unlike the evildoers, The psalmist gives credit where credit is due. There is only one who is eternally exalted that can exalt his own people. God's justice gives hope to the godly. It gives hope for us because the Lord has lifted up our horn of salvation on a wooden cross, on the throne of wood, and he has defeated our great enemy of sin and death through Jesus' death and resurrection in our place, in order that His victory may be our victory by turning from our sins and trusting in Christ. As a result of that, Christ now sits and rests on His throne, reigning over all things, and we now rest in Him through faith as the Lord of the Sabbath. This psalm is now a song of praise that we can sing to Him because He has renewed our strength and hope in salvation through judgment. We are now witnesses to this. We are witnesses to this. Like the psalmist, our eyes have seen and our ears have heard the downfall of our enemies through the death and resurrection of Christ according to the scriptures. After all, this is the reason For the bookends we are witnesses to these things this is the reason for the bookends in verse 2 and in verse 15 to declare or to proclaim we worship through our witness to the goodness of God toward us we are not silent nor are we passive but we are active we are vocal and we are joyful about our salvation and all of the benefits that we have received in the Lord and we can do this in a couple of ways First, because the context of this psalm is a worship gathering, we can declare the good works of God to one another through encouraging one another just by a text or a phone call while we're not able to meet. It's something just super simple. Grab a directory, look up somebody, send them a text, tell them you're praying for them and giving thanks to God for his work in their life. Secondly, have you considered how you might actually use social distancing? to evangelize the lost. Surely our current climate is one that sparks or will spark or can spark spiritual conversation. You can ask them how it's been, how it's been hard and how it's been challenging to them and then seek to use that as an opportunity to dive into deeper conversation. Think of the ways that you can serve the non-Christian right now that's gonna set you up later to better proclaim the gospel to them. Well, friends, all of these ways are aspects of our flourishing. So look with me at verses 12 through 15. Unlike the wicked of verse 7, who are like grass that flourish for a time and only to perish soon after, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and like the cedar of Lebanon. Both are symbols of strength and vitality with deep root systems. These are trees. These are not a little blade of grass floating in the wind. And notice where they're thriving. Notice where these trees thrive. They're planted in the house of the Lord, the courts of our God. They thrive because of their closeness to God. They're in His presence. And as a result, there is spiritual longevity to them. They bear fruit in old age. They're full of sap and green. And brothers and sisters, it is that way for us. Do you want to know how to stay fresh and how to thrive throughout your life? Then get close to the Lord. Get close to Him. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. For our older saints who are watching right now, we live in a world that says when you get up there in years, your strongest days are behind you. However, the Bible paints a different picture. It's actually that as you get up there in years, that there is a spiritual vitality about you. Understand not because you've been a Christian longer that that's the case. It's not because you have more years on necessarily on everybody. Instead, it, it's because as long as you've been a Christian, you have beheld the goodness of God in numerous ways and you have responded rightly by giving thanks and praise to Him. Your heart's second nature is praise. Its second nature is that of giving thanks to Him. There's a freshness about you who are older because you have grown in intimacy and in fellowship with the Lord for all the years of your life that you've been a believer. That though your outer self is wasting away, your inner man is being renewed day by day. Brothers and sisters, all of this, all of this, it foreshadows a greater day when Christ returns, and we all will enter our Sabbath rest in the Lord's presence for eternity. Where our body will no longer waste away, where there will be no more virus, no more quarantine or anything like it. Instead, we will be renewed and we will be fully restored where we will joyfully worship the Lord because of his goodness to us. So friends, do you want rest in a restless world? Well, Psalm 92 isn't calling us To do more instead it's calling us to respond to what is to rest by doing what is good rather than what will drain you right now it's good for us to praise and to give thanks to God for who he is and what he has done for us in Christ it's through worship that our strength is renewed and by which we flourish because the work of God is what fuels the worship of his people So, how will you respond to God's goodness? Let's pray. Great God, we praise you that you've been good to us. That, Lord, that maybe whenever, even when we take it for granted or we doubt it, Lord, you have been good to us. Help us to look for your goodness in our lives, to remember our salvation. To begin to look at all the different ways, the intricate ways that you've been good to us and to recognize that we cannot even fathom, we cannot even count all the ways that you've been good to us. Lord, please incline our heart to give thanks and to praise you for that is what is good for us and glorifying to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.